In the Epiphany, we celebrate that the Magi were the first Gentiles to adore the newborn Jesus. Paul tells the Ephesians, it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit that the Gentiles, meaning the non-Jews, the other nations, are co-heirs, members of the same body, and co-partners in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Remember that in the Old Testament, God chose Israel to be a nation uniquely his own. Among all the other nations, they were different. They were not of the covenant. And that's why in the scriptures, the word for nations or Gentiles or pagans, it's all the same word. It's the word ethnos, from where we get the word ethnic. It's all the other nations that are apart from God. But at the Epiphany, we see the first steps of God's desire to bring unity to the whole human race. You have Jewish shepherds adoring the newborn Jesus. They were listening to the language of divine revelation. They heard from the angels in the sky what had happened. They had heard through the prophecies the preparation for this. That was the language they heard, and they came to Christ. You have these Gentile magi, these philosopher kings, these sages and scholars, and they have been listening to the language of creation. The stars in the heavens, they've been studying them, pondering them. What does this created world mean? Who's behind it all? And listening to that language of creation, human reason, they come to worship the newborn Jesus. Both Gentiles and Jews have restless hearts. Their hearts are not satisfied until they find the living God. And here they meet in the same place. They meet in Bethlehem to adore Jesus. Both divine revelation and human reason bring us to the same place to adore the Lord. Now, after the resurrection, we kind of forget that the ingrafting of the Gentiles, those first nations, those first pagans who believed in Jesus, among the Jewish Christians, it was not an easy match. It was a challenging fit. But the early church, reflecting on the scriptures and on what Jesus had said, they realized that it was God's intention to unify the human race by his grace for all the nations to come together and be one people. So, Isaiah wrote, The wealth of nations shall be brought to you. All shall come proclaiming the praises of the Lord. We sang in the 72nd Psalm, Lord, every nation on earth will adore you. Jesus himself said, I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. And in the book of Revelation, we read, The city had no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God gave it light, and its lamp was the Lamb. The nations shall walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their treasures into it. So the Epiphany is the feast of a new unity to humankind, centered around the incarnate Son of God, Jesus Christ. 
All peoples, all nations, all men and women find their deepest desires satisfied in Christ. This Feast of the Epiphany is so amazing that really in the early church, this feast was more important than Christmas. I mean, Christ's birth was a big deal, but having all the nations finally come and adore him, like that was an even bigger deal. Epiphany is huge in our church's life. So how do we take this message of the Epiphany and apply it some way in our own lives? This beautiful feast of all peoples coming together in Christ, finding harmony. Well, I think a big part of it has to do with choosing the courage of the Magi over the fear of Herod. Here's one way that we can apply this message. The Epiphany teaches us that we should never be afraid to walk with others and their relationship with Jesus. We should never be afraid to walk with others and their relationship with Jesus, to walk together as his disciples. Because sometimes it's easier just to kind of want to go it alone. Like, sure, like I'm a Christian, I follow Jesus, but, and I've got people in my life who are also Christians, but to walk together really intentionally with others, it can be challenging. But it's what God wants. <laughs> Think about when Jesus called his first disciples. He called the twelve, and he called quite the motley crew. You've got Matthew, the recently converted tax collector who was basically kind of using the system of the Roman occupation to enrich himself. He was, a, he was a sellout. On the opposite side, you had Simon the Zealot who was ready to, to fight the Roman occupiers when, when, when chance presented itself. He was ready to fight with violence. You had those fishermen from Galilee who were just used to just trying to make an income for their families, bringing in the hall every day on the shore, and a whole bunch of others. A motley crew, and they didn't always get along, did they? But they were all called by the Lord, and they were called to walk together following him. Because Jesus didn't only want to share with them the love of God through his own relationship with them individually. He also wanted them to experience God's love in their shared relationships. And how Peter saw how Christ talked to James and John and even Judas. And they walked together sharing their experiences of the Lord on the dusty roads of Palestine. That's what the Lord wanted. That's why he called them that way. Well, I've talked for, for months now at St. Rose of Lima about our upcoming small group ministry. And this is launching finally next month. We're, we're right on the verge of this. Uh, a way of walking together in small communities, small groups, sharing our personal experience of the Lord together. And in that experience of small groups, we've really come to experience the Lord in a deeper way. And we don't need to be afraid of where we're at or where someone else is at. In these small groups, and I'm grateful to all of our parishioners who have been formed as small group leaders the last few months, thank you for saying yes to that. In these small communities, there will be people, I'm sure, who have a deep relationship with the Lord. They, they know Christ deeply and intimately. Beautiful. It's a great place to be. There may, may be others who are maybe have been Catholic for a long time, but they're really just kind of beginning to know the Lord as this personal friend, as someone I can relate to very humanly each day. It's a great place to be. 
There may be some who are just kind of in the beginnings of learning about Jesus, like, well, who actually is Jesus and what, what's the gospel say about him? Or maybe people who aren't Catholic or maybe people who are just really starting that journey. Awesome. There's no bad place to be. The only bad place to be is to be afraid of walking with someone who might be kind of in a different position along the journey. We don't need to worry about that because Christ has called all of us. He's called all the nations, and he will be the one to unite us together in friendship and in faith as we walk together and just things like meetings together, meals together, reading the scriptures together. I know for myself, uh, the Lord taught me a big lesson about this, uh, about walking with other disciples. Years back in college, I was on the leadership team of our pro-life club, and we had the speaker coming in, big event, uh, big, big hall that we had reserved. And um, I didn't know who the speaker was, but I was looking who was coming into the room because some of our previous events had been disrupted by protests or hecklers or all, all kinds of stuff. And so I'm kind of just like watching who's coming in this room. And this guy comes in who's just got tattoos up and down, huge piercings in, the, in his face, this black hoodie. And I'm just like, okay, this, I wonder if this guy is going to try to heckle the speaker tonight. I'm like, I'm going to keep my eye on him. Like, I, I wonder what this guy is all about. Well, he was the speaker. <laughs> this, this was Brian Kemper, amazing pro-life advocate, deep, di- deep lover of Jesus, disciple of the Lord. Um, he had gone through a lot of conversion for sure, and he still had a lot of these things in his, in his body and in, in his ears and all kinds of stuff. Um, I think because the Lord used that to show other people that there's more than one way to be a disciple. And I think some people probably talked to him about Jesus who maybe won't talk to me the way I looked, a little bit more straight-laced, right? So the Lord taught me, like, don't think that you know who a disciple is or where they are on the journey. You might be very surprised. And this should give us humility as we prepare to go into this really new era of small groups walking together at St. Rosa Lima. To not presume anything about anybody else or even about ourselves. Like, the Lord will surprise us. But just to humbly walk together, sharing my life with other disciples, and wanting to come closer to Jesus just like the shepherds, and just like the magi. Because all the nations are called to experience the love of God in Christ. So I encourage you, brothers and sisters, these next few weeks, as you hear a lot more about how to be part of a small group, how to learn about them, the different kinds we're going to offer, I encourage you to be courageous and not give in to fear. But to really think this is going to be something really new and really beautiful for, for me and for our whole parish. Pray about that. Ask the Holy Spirit to come. Ask for courage. And I encourage you to to pray about this and to take the plunge in joining one of these various small groups, to walk together in faith. All the nations are called to come to adore the Lord. And that begins with you, and that begins with me.